Welcome to the Let That Go Show with Kasira McKee and Richard Skipper. This show is based on Kasira's book, Let That Go, where she guides people in completely blessing and releasing people, places, and all kinds of things. Kasira and Richard share personal insights and experiences based on concepts in Kasira's book with guests and you, their co-hosts. Are you ready to let that go? Let's go. Hello, Kasira. Carol's jamming to the song. I know. Isn't it fun? She's I wearing her it. new hat. She's wearing her. There's a. There's something blocking her outfit. There's a something on your. There's a banner blocking her outfit. What's going on? Well, what I can do is I can do this. Well, I wanted everybody to see her new hairdo, her new hat. Oh, doesn't she look great? Hello, uh-huh. Carol. I'm yeah, glad she's got a new home. And you look great. She, um, I just took a selfie with her and I, and she's holding your mug. And I, I know, I saw it. I love it. I can't wait to share it with her. I think I'm, I'm, looking, in, I'm, I'm looking strangely at her. I'm going to put it into my newsletter this week. Goodbye. So you want to keep like this, or do Goodbye, you want to go back to our background? So nice seeing you, Richard. We we got a lot of catching up to do. Yes, we do. So, how From are the break. you? First of all, how was your week? Well, well, you know, it's it's we, you know. There's a reason why I wrote this book. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Let that letting go. go. Letting go. You know what? Really letting go of a lot of energy from other people. I got to tell you, that's been the main focus for a little while now, is letting go of energy from other people. Mm-hmm. And tonight, we are letting go of scary people, people and, and situations. Yes. Okay, you go first. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, well, we talked about this earlier. We talked about this earlier. Yeah, I mean, uh, there have been a lot of uh, scary people who have uh, crossed my path, like the proverbial oh, you think? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. in my life. Uh, you know, I used to think, you know, maybe it's my karmic lesson on this planet during this lifetime that I've attracted some of these people into my life. Uh, and each time these people acclimate themselves into my life, I welcome them with open arms and uh-huh. then, uh, I get hit right between the eyes. Thanks to you and the book and, uh, you know, and the process. And I want to share this with everyone. I don't just turn open the book on Sunday nights when we sit down this has become a part of my morning ritual uh, each day. Uh, as you know, this is the book that we're going through with our book club. Uh, so that also reiterates. So there are all these lessons that are constantly being re- reiterated. So it's nice to be able to be more aware of it than I used to be because there are certain red flags that we ignore, all of us do, when you say, okay, enough, that's not acceptable in my lifetime anymore. I no longer, to use one of your words, require this in my life. You know, I really, one of the aspects of holding on to scary people in situations is, and, and I ask myself, why am I, why, why do I hold on if I'm holding on? Is it before out of necessity or, you know, I always check myself about the drama. Am I addicted to the drama? No, I'm not. I'm not addicted to the drama. Uh, and, re- and reasons we tell ourselves why we're staying. And that's why I ask people to do a pros and cons sheet. What, what are the pros and what are the cons of this situation or this person? Well, if you know, I wanna... just take the time. It's not just in your head. Write it down. Like, do, you, do the exercise. Write it down. Well, Danny and I have been together 32, going on 33 years together. But before we were together, I was in I was in a relationship that was one of those relationships that, and I talked about this before, where because we had a week um, on a vacation early on in our relationship, which mm-hmm. was magical, or it seemed magical at the time, mm-hmm. uh, although I look back and I see that issues were there as well. But the thing is that I was in this very toxic relationship. 
And mm -hmm. what got me through that at that time in my life was an incredible therapist, Mary Cropper. If you're anywhere out, still out there, I hope you're still with us. Um, she was really uh, instrumental. And one of the things that she did, and remember, folks, this is in the days before uh, Facebook and a lot of uh, social media uh, did not exist uh, to the extent that we have it now beyond mm -hmm. emails, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But she came into one of our sessions one day and she had an address book at which I still have. Uh, everything's online now. But at that time, she said, I want you to go through your address book and each person that you come across. I want you to stop for a moment, take a deep breath and think, do I get a warm, fuzzy feeling when I think about that person or does my heart start racing? And we all know who they are. And uh, um and so I went through and she said only transfer to the new appointment book, address book those people who give you a wonderful feeling. There are people in our lives that we don't see on a regular basis. We don't speak with yeah. them on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But when we think about them, we either immediately think of something positive or something negative. We all do that. Yes. And, and and people don't I don't people don't pay attention to those first thoughts. They don't they they kind of slide over them a lot of times. They'll have a first thought and they'll dismiss it. No, no, I'm just making that up. Well, maybe you're not. Well, I think you a know? lot of times that we maybe that first instinct is what you should be looking at. Absolutely, it should be the first instinct. Um, because you know, Maya Angelou once said, when people show you who they are, believe them. And a lot of times yes, we well, we keep going back like the boomerang effect and we keep asking for this in our lives over and over and over again. And another aspect mm -hmm. that you talk about in the book, which we've talked about on this show are the stories, the stories that we keep repeating the stories that, mm -hmm. uh, and they're almost like a security blanket for us that we put this blanket around us so that um, I, I think that there's always the fear of being alone, being abandoned. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you and and, and say that this sounds like you've read my book. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> You're repeating everything in my book, and I love it. Right, I love it. You got right. it. You got it. I love it. But we, um, I think that we are afraid to let go. Uh, there's that title again. We're afraid to let go because we are afraid of being left alone or abandoned. And that's a big. Or maybe factor. we have to get, or maybe we have to find new friends. Absolutely. I mean, you know, birds of a feather. You know, uh, when we evolve, we often find that people with us don't evolve. We're in our direction, in the direction we're going. I can't and, believe you just said that, and I'll tell you why. Uh oh. I'm working on my newsletter, uh, which goes out tonight at midnight, everybody. So if you are on my mailing list, you're already getting it. But tomorrow mm -hmm. is also National Pay Back a Friend Day, where you pay a debt to somebody that you've owed for some time or something. And, you know, and it's funny because money um, is a, can destroy relationships. I mean, what's the line from Hello, Dolly? It can make or break you, you know, and it's true for all of us. And a lot of people, um, a certain circumstance a certain financial situation, a certain thing that people go through, mm -hmm. um, on a dime, a relationship can be destroyed uh, by saying the wrong thing at the right time uh, uh, or uh, reacting in a certain way or not reacting. Um, we live in a world now where people want instant gratification. And if people don't get that instant gratification, a lot of times uh, they create an entire scenario in their heads about who that person is or who that person is not. And as you said before, perhaps we need to listen to those thoughts. And I think a lot of times people don't. Okay. So when we give or we lend and we have expectations of another person, even if we make those expectations clear, there is a possibility that they cannot meet those expectations. Something may happen that they cannot meet, especially when it comes to money. Uh, why are people borrowing money? They require they they require it, and we don't know how long it's going to take for them if you know if they're borrowing to pay it back. 
uh, I assist people with no agenda. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's nice if they say, I'll pay you back. And I'm, I, if they don't, I'm okay with it. Giving, we put a lot of expectations on giving, but let's, let's get back to scary people in situations. Mm -hmm. um, I, we've all experienced them. Uh, I experience it a lot uh, on the job. Um, there is a lot of tolerating going on, especially in the medical field. Um, and I have to, when it comes to scary people in situations, I have to let go daily because I'm not in the, a decision-making position. You see, uh, I do what I do and I do it well. And, and other, and if things are going a little wonky, I'll follow the chain of command and report it, you know, yet, um, if, when we, here's the thing. My question to everyone is how, what is it going to, what has to happen for you to leave? What has to, do you have to be seriously, not only backed into a corner, but nailed into it for you to, to struggle to escape? But there's a certain thing that also happens, even if you're not, when you end certain relationships, um, when you let go of those people in your life, some people, uh, and I've been guilty of this as well, um, I can only speak for myself, um, I feel that uh, sometimes you end up finding people who have the same uh, patterns in their life. Well, hello, you attract them. It's your, yes. They're your mirror. They're your mirror. That's it. We're and all mirror reflections of each other. And even though we may have somebody in our environment that we absolutely cannot stand, guess what? Something in us attracted that person. We also have a soul contract. Remember soul contracts? Well, absolutely. Well, let's refer to it in my book. Those of you who have my book, Let's go to page 32. In your hymnals. <laughs> we gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. Okay. So, and those of you who don't have the book, please, please consider getting it on Amazon so you can follow along. Um, and so that you're on our page, so to speak. So, uh, here... You know, my my dear friend, Ron Laplace, that did an interview with us, who's a doctor of metaphysics, he taught me Merkaba meditation, and I just love him. Mm -hmm. I, I start on page 32. Do you, who, who has the book around them? <clears throat> Anybody? Well, I know uh, Sherry Callahan won Yeah, it. I know Sherry no. has it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Natasha has it. So I start out with a quote from my teacher, Ron Laplace. The people in our lives who truly serve us are not always the ones we like the most. Often it is the ones who we have the most difficulty being around who offer us the greatest gifts. The contract is formed in a love that goes so deep that they agree to do the hardest of jobs in this life and this relationship. They take on a role that is so important <clears throat> for teaching us something about ourselves <clears throat> that we often <clears throat> end up, gosh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> I'm getting verklempt. Do you want me to continue where you left no, off? No, no, no. That we often end up disliking, disowning, or even hating them. In doing so, they prove what real love is. Its boundaries go beyond the narrow picture of this single lifetime and move into the timeless love that exists only outside of the ego and the need to be liked. Ron Laplace. You know, um, people can be really, really scary. I mean, we have patients that can be awfully scary. And guess what? It's our job to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Now, professionally speaking and personally speaking, there are a lot of similarities, yet there are a lot of differences. In our personal life, we have more of a choice of who we allow to continue. When we realize these scary people, you know, it's the, the, uh, soul contract has expired, we can take action in our personal life. In a professional life, 
you know, a business life, a business relationship, there's a little more uh, on the line, mm -hmm. if you will. There's a little more in a, in a contract. There's a little more that can be said for <clears throat> the expectations of every party. And if every party isn't filling those expectations, we can certainly speak up, but there's no guarantee that our, we're going to, we may be heard, but it's not a guarantee that we're going to get the result we have in our mind. Mm -hmm. But the scary people in the scary situation. I've been in a lot of them. Well, you and I are both in a profession that a lot of people so desperately desire to be in that they are willing to put up with a lot in order to stay in this profession. I was watching um, this documentary, which is airing on CNN about Rupert Murdoch and the rise of Fox News and everything. And it's a very yes. interesting- I, um, I, I saw that, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, but I was watching the other night and Roger Ailes, who was, regardless of what side you're on politically or anything, this is not a political statement. He was a misogynistic uh, man who uh, treated women uh, as subservient beings. Yes. Um, and he had certain requirements that these women uh, would wear uh, the, the women working for him were mostly blonde, uh, with very few exceptions. They could not wear pants uh, because he wanted them in short dresses. Yes. Um, the clothes that they chose to, uh, to wear when they were on air, uh, he wanted to look like uh, what someone would wear, wear to a costume party. Um, and it was always about seduction, seducing the audience, seducing uh everyone who was watching into a certain feeling of who and what these women were. Um, obviously, these women needed their jobs. They uh, were willing, Gretchen Carlson has written a book about it, uh, but they have all, they, in my opinion, sold either a piece of or their souls completely in order to keep those jobs. And there's so many people and what the pandemic did in the theater scene was it really began to shed a light on, I mean, with Harvey Weinstein and uh, Scott Rudin and so many other people uh, and people are finally saying, no, this is unacceptable. This has nothing to do with what I create on stage, on camera or mm -hmm. et cetera. And I think so many of us, especially in our profession, and I'm talking about the profession of show business, um, are willing to put up with a lot it yes, just to hold those jobs, especially women over the years. Especially women, yet we're things have come. The Me Too movement started. Women are anybody who is abused or mistreated or mishandled is standing up because of the the, the um, legal profession who believes in people that are standing up. We're able to do that now. We're witnessing. We chose to be alive right now and witness this change. The people before us in the 70s really attempted it. They really, really, really attempted it. And there was some headway made. Yet now, because of uh, the internet and technology, because everybody knows everything about everybody, it's become more prevalent that people are standing up for themselves and we're all gonna know if they're not supported. With these scary people in these scary situations, we're all gonna know. And people are aware of that now. They're aware that if they're scary and they know it, or they really, I mean, look at, um, what's his name? Weinstein? Harvey Weinstein. I mean, look at him. He's going to court again. He was freaking scary, you guys. <laughs> was freaking and still scary. Is. Still and is. Created, created a lot of really scary situations with women. And look at him now. I mean, I had a situation. It's over. It's done. <laughs> I will uh, tell my casting couch story. Um, uh -oh. But no, I had one. Um, I auditioned for the Passion Play when I was in my, uh, uh, and I'm talking about the religious Passion Play, everyone. Uh -huh. um, but I auditioned for this when I was in my uh, early 20s. Um, the audition was held at the guy's home who played Jesus of all people in this production. Perfect. That's perfect. Right. So I go to uh, read for him and I'm sitting there and uh, he's interviewing me, talking a lot about my, my life and everything and what I 
was sharing and everything. And um, we never really got around to a real audition. And then um, it was getting later and later and later at the time I lived in the North Bronx. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, uh, you know, why don't I order Chinese? And I said, I, I really, um, you know, feel that I should get home. He said, you can crash here this evening. I mean, and he said, uh, you'll sleep on the sofa. I've got my own room mm -hmm. and everything. He seemed at the time like a nice guy. But in the middle of the night, he made a move on me. And I was not interested. I left. And interestingly enough, two weeks later, I got a phone call from the producers. And they say, he said that I gave a great um, audition, uh, even though I never really auditioned for the role. Um, mm -hmm. But I was cast. And it, it, I went and it made my life a living hell. I mean, he was abusive verbally to me. He mm. was abusive, uh, you know, in terms of the way that he treated me in front mm. of everybody. He would say very cutting things to me. And when I went to the producers and told them what was going on, um, they were appalled that I would say something against someone who has been in their company for like 20 years. Of course. And why? Because it's, more, because it's more work for them then they have to do something about it and they don't want to do about it. They don't want the legal fees and they don't want the, to put the time into it. And of course, how, you burst their bubble. We burst people's bubbles and the other people around them go, oh, how dare you burst that bubble? You know what I'm saying? And again, in my twenties, I, I was told, and I was, you want to know how much I was making. <laughs> I was making a hundred dollars a week. A week, and I, I was in I and I was in Virginia, and I was told that if I went public with this, that I would be blackballed in the industry. And you know, and when you're told something like this, and mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't want to mention. It. I've heard horror stories from well loved and well liked people in this industry, who will say uh, no means no always yes uh but there's also the flip side of the coin where somebody has gone after something for someone not getting what they wanted and then makes that person's life a living hell they become the scary person mm -hmm. and that happens a lot too well let's well let's go a little deeper now this is a little sensitive and i but we're all adults i was molested several times when i was a child I'm sorry. That's really scary. Because when you're a kid, most kids freeze. They just freeze. And here's here's why I froze. My mother was, if, if I write about it in the book, I, I'm very honest about my, my horrid relationship with my mother and how abusive she was and how uh, the other side of the family just didn't have it in them to fight for me. I finally got, I finally escaped her in, in my teenage years. Um, and I was not taught, I was taught that defending myself was wrong because if mm -hmm. I defended myself, she could not beat me. She could not beat me and verbally abuse me and emotionally abuse me. And, you know, so when I was accosted by men when I was underage, I just froze. I didn't have it in me to fight back. I just froze and let it happen. My stepfather was one of those people, the very man she was married to. So when we're talking about scary people in situations, it's not about ju as just as adults. It's about children. It's about people who are underage that have not been taught to take up for themselves. Um, that happens with human trafficking. You know, women are just, they don't, they just feel helpless mm -hmm. and they get trafficked. You know, where, where did, you know, that's been happening since the beginning of time with human beings is people not being allowed to fight for their lives or fight for themselves. What are we going to do about that? It's all about teaching young people that it is unacceptable. Well, I think it's all a matter of, you know, number one, um, and I, this is easier said than done, I know that, but mm -hmm. creating boundaries and saying, I'm sorry, but that is no longer acceptable in my it's life. It's no longer acceptable. Yeah. And Here, here's the thing. You've got parents out there that really want to control their children and they don't allow their children to say no. I cannot tell you how many mothers I see yelling and, and barraging their children in a grocery store here in New Mexico. 
talking to their kids like they're their pieces of you know what mm-hmm, mm-hmm. only to just to control them so these kids get used to being verbally abused and controlled and they have no stamina they have no strength and it's, many it's times they have no idea what it's about i mean i you know i and i what i'm going to say i say as a statement and not uh that i'm looking for empathy okay. for it's anyone okay. to Go ahead. or anything I did not grow up in a supportive household. Um, everything that I said that I wanted to do, I was told, you can't do that. You will right. never be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. My father called me a loser uh, until the day he died. Um, I it happens not, a lot. It happens a lot. Uh, so I never had that support growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, when I left home at the age of 18, I realized that not only was I running towards something, but I was also running away from something. There's a gift in that for me, folks, and maybe this will be a gift for any of you if you hear this. But for me, no matter how bad things got here in New York, and it wasn't easy, 18 years old, not knowing really, I didn't have street smarts when I came to New York. There was a lot I didn't even know about my own self uh, that uh, you and I have talked about, that as Uh time went on, I began to discover who and what I was all about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, no matter how bad this situation got, I was never going to go back. I had a a roommate once that I was paying cash to. And Mm -hmm. I came home one day to find an eviction notice on the door that we had. I remember this story. I remember this story. We had 72 hours to get out of the apartment. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he got home, Um, He said, oh, we've gotten lots of those. And I called the landlord. The landlord said, first of all, he wanted us out of the apartment. My name was not on the uh, lease. Uh, I was paying this guy cash. So uh, I went to family, uh, I went to uh, housing court uh, down on 111 Center Street, New York. Uh And they came out with a folder that looked like the Gutenberg Bible. And it (laughs) was unbeknownst to me, he had not been paying the rent since I'd been living there. And what were you doing with your money? He was spending it on whatever he wanted to, going out and having a great time. And uh, and his excuse for not paying the rent was the um, that the dishwasher was not working. I said, well, that's not true because I'm the dishwasher. I mean, <laughs> I was doing you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, But uh-huh. um, anyway, um, they told me at housing court, that I better pack my things because this time they were serious and that our apartment was going to be padlocked that weekend. And when I called my father, uh, which was a difficult thing for me to do, to say, can you help me out? He said, I will send you a one-way ticket to come home, but I'm not playing into this game anymore. And I had already been living in New York at this point, I I guess about uh, almost eight years at that point when this happened. And, uh, but my father would just, he thought that until the day he died, that my being in New York was a whim. And that, Oh, I went through that too. I went through that too. Yeah. And it was time for me to uh, fold it up, come back home. And there's a great book. If you remember, some of you may remember him, Leo Biscaglia uh, had a book called Love. And in the book, he told a similar story that when he was 18 years old, he was hiking throughout Europe. And mm-hmm. he ran out of money and he had enough money to send a telegram in those days to his father. And he had one word and the word was starving. And his father said, and he treated this as a blessing. And I look back on uh, my situation with my father. It was a blessing because it all, I look for the blessing in it because it always kept me to move forward instead of looking backwards But Leo Biscaglia said he wrote to his father and he said, starving. And his father responded with one word. And do you know what the word was? Well, obviously I don't. Starve. Because it was his father's way of saying, you've got to learn to do this on your own. Yeah, I when I was in L.A. years ago, you know, really, really making a lot of effort not to be homeless as a recording artist. Um, my, I'm not going to tell you who said this because it'll really embarrass him and he's not this person anymore. But one of my relatives told me, 
I said, you know, I may be homeless soon and I really got to get some help. And he said, well, you know, Stephen Ray Vaughn lived in his car. And I'm a female. I'm a female. Right. And that broke my heart because Stephen Ray Vaughn's from my hometown. I love my Stephen Ray Vaughn from, from, you know, Fort Worth, Texas, you know, uh, or Oak Cliff, Texas. And, uh, and I, that horrified me. Now, he is not that person anymore. He's not that person anymore, but mm -hmm. he was back then. And that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, he just told me to go live in my car, and I'm a female. I'm a fee I'm in my 20s, and I'm a, I'm a blonde female. And, you know, I and then I ended up, you know, I man, I did what I had to do for money, but nothing illegal, nothing illegal. Okay. I, I became a chauffeur for a company that drove, that had contracts with the film industry. And I ended up being, I ended up driving the Arsenio Hall show. And then Arsenio hired me as his private chauffeur. Wow. For wow. a minute until, but let me, let me tell you, I couldn't take it. It was like 24 hours a day. It was like all day and all night and parked out outside of Eddie Murphy's house until four in the morning. I just couldn't do it. It was just, it was too much. But Yet, I, uh, I also want to say something in defense of my parents. Okay. Uh, my parents um, grew up. Are in, you in, in defend, why are you defending them? Because I feel that it's important for me to do so. Let okay. me finish the statement first. Okay. Because they grew up in a small, and because it's going to take me to where I want to go with this statement. Okay. They grew up in a small town. My mom is still there. My father has passed on. Mm -hmm. They grew up in a small town um, where the idea of me leaving and going to New York, um, I could have said I was going to the moon and it would have made more sense to them because they just could not grasp it. And yeah. so yeah, yeah. the point that I want to make is I think that a lot of times um, when someone, uh, when we ask for advice and in both of these uh, situations, you and I asked for help uh, and this is what we were told in both situations. Mm -hmm. You and I, and this is a testament to you and I, if I do say so myself, we chose how we would respond to it, which is another theme in your book. And this is, in, in terms of how we go through life, we have a choice in terms of how we respond to these situations. I mean, I know that we there do. are- we, we do. And guess what? It's our responsibility how we process our feelings as a reaction to these situations and these people. They don't make us feel anything. They don't make us do anything. We decide how we're going to process this information. We decide how we're gonna process how people talk to us and treat us. And we get to decide how we're mm -hmm. gonna do that. Now, when we're under age, really tough. It is really tough. tough. If I can really give, give a, a, a little piece of uh, legal advice here, if I may, uh, to Joyce Glasgow. Um, Joyce, my advice to you um, is to go to Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts uh, because I went through a very high litigation several years ago. They saved my butt. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you, there's a, a nominal fee, uh, but once you go in and you tell them what you're going through, um, I don't know if they have offices where you are, but they may be able to find the right people who will help you get the uh, uh, the uh, coverage and the help that you need. But they help. Um, uh, but they really helped me out uh, when I went through uh, my legal situation a few years ago. Okay, I'm keeping up with the. Let's look at the. Re let's look at the responses. I don't want to ignore anybody. Um, let's see. Mm -hmm. What it, Rose, 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 Rose. Rosa Puzo, is this the one that you're referring to? Yeah. Well, Barbara is dedicating her book Barbara's to her mom because she told Barbara to be a teacher and type, and Barbara said no. That's why she grew her nails long. I love it. Thank you, Barbara. Aww. I love her. God, we love Barbara Streisand, don't we? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and you know, you know, let me tell you. Uh, 
One, uh, one of my favorite books of all time is I, Tina. Tina Turner practices the same Buddhism I practice. I've been practicing for 34 years and she's been practicing for what, 50? Maybe a long time to practice Nichiren Buddhism. And she could have been a whole lot more descriptive and negative about her mother than she was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she chose not to be. She chose not to be. Well, another which, book that I would which recommend. Which was a, re a really amazing example of taking the high road. Uh, I wrote something about the way my mother treated me in my book, not to tell on her at all. It, it's to help other people that were abused by a parent mm -hmm. uh, through their lives. To, to let people know that you're not alone, but once you become legal, once you're 18 or whatever it is, you know, whatever it is in any state, you get to, we get to decide how we're going to carry through. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of guilt. I used to get letters from my mother guilting me after she severely abused me and uh, luring me back in. And I'd, I'd, she'd lure me, I'd let her lure me back in and she'd punch me again, you know. And I finally, at the age of 28 years old, said, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Good luck. And it turns out that at the end of her life, she had, she had one friend, one friend who wasn't even a friend. She was the niece of a friend that had died. She was the only person that would tolerate my mother. And my mother died alone in an apartment. And that's sad. It is very sad. And she, but listen, you guys, my mother had a choice. People told her for years, you have a choice. You know, you can, you can back down and you can get some help. And, you know, and she wouldn't do it. And here's the thing. We all have choices. We all have our choices. Um, it's really important to not be guilted into being someone's punching bag and being someone's uh, dark target. There are a lot of unhappy people on our planet who love to punish other people for unhappy, their unhappiness. Mm -hmm. That's the only way I can put it. It's really, it sounds really simple and elementary, but you know what? When people are happy, genu absolutely happy. I, I write about what happiness is in my book. There's a difference between relative happiness and absolute happiness. Relative happiness is, is that high you get when you buy a new pair of shoes or a bag or you get a big chunk of money or you go, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You go shopping or, you know, that's relative stuff. Absolute happiness is that inner spirituality within yourself. Like this is why I chant. People go, why have you been chanting for 34 years? Well, I sit down and I chant and it raises my life condition. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. we call it in Buddhism. It raises my life condition within myself. So that I'm not, uh, I'm not pointing the finger and I'm not going, well, you're the cause of my unhappiness or you're the cause of my suffering. No, we all agreed to this together. Now, if someone is causing some suffering in my environment, I look at it and go, okay, it, do I have that in me? Maybe I'm going to look at that. But also, who is this person to, to think that it's okay to punish people every day for their own unhappiness? I ask that question. If it's in a work environment, I follow the correct uh, protocol. But but I want to say this to Joyce. Joyce, there's always someone on top of something else. There's you know there's the some you may have a board, but there's someone on top of that board. There's someone on top of that person, and you just keep climbing until you get the attention you require and desire. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You just keep going. You don't just settle on this little group of people or this one person. You keep going up in the hierarchy and believe me the hierarchy has no idea it's going on just so you know because the buck stops at every level because anybody in management or, or a committee does not want the higher ups to know there's a there's a problem there's trouble they don't want anyone to know and they hide it so you just co keep climbing up the ladder until you get the person that's going to listen to you and it's and it's easy to do and it's actually, you know, it's at the end of it, it's uh, it's really satisfying. And I want to say also to also be very, very careful that the sure. way that you have been treated by certain people, um, other people 
everybody brings to the table what they've learned, what they've processed, what they're going through. And so therefore, if someone brings something to you and you react the way that you would react to your mom, let's say, or mm-hmm. my dad sure. or whatever, it's not fair to that person because that doesn't necessarily mean that they're coming from the same angle uh, that our uh, parents or those who are the scary people uh, in our lives have brought to the mm-hmm. table. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about the boomerang effect, but there's also the boomerang effect that goes boom, it, you know, and then it goes to the next person and then to the next, yes. person, the next person. Yes, and, yes. And it, I also, it, reverber- it reverberates it like reverberates, a radio wave. And we all have the, I believe, I know, uh, especially because it's in her book, and I believe it, um, that we have the ability to say it stops here. The buck stops with me. Yes. I'm, I'm responsible uh, for, uh, you know, everything. I mean, this newsletter that I sent out tonight, if there are, you know, I have a couple of people look at it before I send it out, and they're looking at specific things and may not be looking at a typo or something. Yes. I don't blame them. The buck stops with me. Eventually, I'm the one who pushes that button and sends out the newsletter at night. With everything that we do in our lives, we have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for what we allow in and what we allow out. Absolutely. And here's the thing. If we're complaining, there's two things we can do. We only, in my, on my island, we have two choices. We accept it and stop complaining, or we do something about it and change it and we stop complaining. Complaining is one of the worst things we can do chronically because complaining perpetuates more negativity, more and more and more and more negativity. And it all comes back to us. There's a story I write in my book uh, in the, I, I can't read, is it in the language? Uh, let me look it up. I, I believe it's in the language chapter. And I tell a true story about someone I actually knew in New York who complained constantly. Oh, I think let's, okay. It's 148 negative talk and complaining in the book. Okay. Uh, okay. This is a true story, you guys. I'm not kidding you. I'm going to read this story out loud. And when you get the book, you can read this story yourself. This is a true story about a true person I knew in New York. I'm not, I'll be, all of the stories I tell about people in these chapters are true, but I feel that this is important right now in this moment. I don't know why. Okay, Colleen's story. And of course, I changed her name. Colleen was a chronic complainer and a member of a spiritual circle I once belonged to. A good friend of mine, along with others in this circle, took Colleen under their wing to encourage her in her spiritual practice. However, no amount of encouragement seemed to dissuade Colleen from complaining. My friend received daily phone calls from her who controlled the conversations with how negative she felt about everything in her life. One day, my friend came to me with alarming news. Colleen was diagnosed with tongue cancer. Think about that for a minute. My jaw dropped. I said, I said the first thing that came to my mind, Colleen's habit of complaining manifested as cancer in her mouth. Her negative language literally physically festered from the inside out. My friend agreed, and it was the last we said about our joint realization. Some months later, after having to have her tongue removed, Colleen passed away. Now, this brings me, you know, I'm into all kinds of things. This brings me to mind Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Mm-hmm. So, if you're in a scary situation, or you're in a situation with a scary person, by all means, speak up. Yet don't perpetuate it by calling all of your friends daily and saying, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. For years and months and weeks, take action. Because telling the stories over and over and over again doesn't change it. It Can doesn't I change upon it. that for a moment? I also yeah. think, uh, you know, and this goes to something that Joyce uh, just wrote. Um, she said the IRS might like to know that the board is violating their duties over a 501c3 nonprofit protocols. 
Thanks, Kasira. Yeah. I want to say something about this. Um, when And I can't really go into it because I signed an, a, an NDA about my situation and my litigation and everything. But uh, one of the torts that was brought against me was that I had maligned this person to the point where this person could not get work in the business. Mm -hmm. um, so the attorneys came in and they took my hard drive for my computer and they scanned it to see if there was anything out there. And there wasn't. I had never written about my case on Facebook. I had never written about, I had never sent out a, a nasty tweet about this person, nothing. Mm -hmm. I was very, very careful. There's a, an old expression, loose lips sink ships. In terms of, you know, talking about it, go, putting it out there, we also have to be incredibly careful with whom we keep share. Talking, keep talking, I'm grabbing yeah. something. Keep talking. Um, with whom we share the information with. Yes. And how we uh, choose to put that information out to the world. So when you are checking into something like going to the IRS, for example, make sure that all of your facts are in alignment with the truth. Uh, because the other person may or may not have been doing things that are, and I don't know all the details of your case, Joyce, uh, but always make sure that if you were going to share this information, there's a, a situation right now, uh, there's a show that's coming to Broadway uh, with Sean Hayes. And the guy who wrote, uh, he had approached Sean Hayes, according to his story, several years ago with a story, it's about Oscar Levant, uh, that he wanted to uh, get this story out there. And now he is, you know, um, because this show is now moving to Broadway without any involvement on his part, by the way, he is now taking this story and he is all over uh, social media telling his version of the story. And I, I have to say, be very, very careful um, to... Anyone out there who is going through a negative uh, situation to be out, uh, to be out there telling your version of the story um, in a public forum, uh, obviously you want to speak to the authorities, you want to speak to the people who can cease that behavior from continuing to happen in your life. Uh, but I would say I would be such, I would be so incredibly careful. Uh, with the information that you choose to tell about other people. Um, and also, there are people, I mean, there was a situation years ago where I was planning a huge event and uh, somebody that was supposed to be involved dropped out because something was said to her that was based on no truth at all. But I, as I said to her publicist at the time, I was not present. I don't know what she heard, what she did not hear. Yeah. What she said to her what was not said to her. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, and a lot of us have knee-jerk reactions based, again, on our past history, on how we respond to certain things. And if somebody comes to you and says, so-and-so uh, did this or so-and-so did that, go to the source and say, did you say this? Did you not say this? Yes, yes. You know, because this was brought to my attention that you said this, and I want to know if you did indeed say that, because that's how gossip starts. You yes, know, and also dissension, dissension. Remember the game that we used to play as kids called gossip, where you would whisper yes. to yes. and by the end, you would find out that what the last person had something completely different. Yes, yes. Out with. And, you know, it's like watching... Um, a crime scene. Mm -hmm. All of us can watch, you know, see the same thing happen. And each of us will have a different opinion or a mm -hmm. different version of what actually took place. Yeah. And sometimes um, the stories that are being perpetrated are not based on any truth whatsoever. Right. Uh, you know, okay. I, and you know this to be a fact uh, with, I'm not mentioning names or anything. But someone wrote to me earlier this year 
who said that she was told that I had said something to someone. And I said, that's, that's not true. Let's do a Zoom call and have you and that other person and myself on camera so we can address this. Mm -hmm. Because it was totally a fabricated story. And again, I don't know whether that she was making that story up or whether someone did indeed say that I had said something. But I'm telling you, and I will say it with everyone watching right now, if anyone ever attributes anything to me that you have not seen me verbally say or put in print, confront me about it. Hey, Richard. Yes. I'd like to end this particular show with a little two-minute meditation for everybody. Can we okay. do that? Yes. I've got my one of my I've got my one of my bills with me right now. I'd like for all of us to take a deep breath. <sighs> Blow it out. Mm -hmm. Close your eyes. I'd like for us to all meditate together silently on letting go of scary people and situations. And I guarantee you that what what the divine has in mind for the plan will come to you. I wish we had more time and I think maybe in the future we'll make more time. We're going to be doing this regularly on our full moon show. If you haven't seen the full moon show, please watch it. It was from last Sunday and my friend, Aaron Graylor. Who's watching. Uh, Thank you, Aaron, for being here tonight. My love, my brother from another mother. Um, and my husband, probably in my next life. Um, I Mine love too. him so much. He's so, he's so amazing. Um, anyway, can we all, do, do, is that okay with you guys? Yes, okay. Can we just Perfect. take a couple of quiet moments together. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Everybody close your eyes. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Feel it from your head to your toes. Feel the energy from your top crown chakra to your anal chakra and your which goes all the way down to your feet. Feel that energy coming from the universe and your crown chakra going through your feet and circling around. It's just a constant, constant, constant stream of energy through your prana chakra. Please have the courage to let go of the scary people in your life and the scary situations in your life. What you feel you cannot do physically, you hand over to the universe, God, divine spirit, Yahweh, whatever you want to call it. I call it higher consciousness. All those scary people in those situations, hand it over to divine spirit. Do what you can and what you cannot do, hand over to your divine spirit. Let's sit in silence for a few minutes. Hands held up to the universe. Hands held up in a cup or to the sky and just hand it over. Hand it over. Hand it over. Let it go. Let that go. Let that go. Let that go. Keep breathing. Let that go. Let it go. Let those people go. Let those scary situations go. Just let it go. It's not yours anymore. Let it go.
take that with you through your week. We will see you next Sunday. We love you all. Please tell your friends about our show. Please have them tune in and help your friends and your family or your neighbor let stuff go. And if you don't have the book, please get it. Trust me, I'm not getting rich off this book. My intention is to assist other people in letting go. That is my one intention. It will make our planet so much better. Richard, thank you so much. Can I say something too? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, number one, everyone, you can do one of two things that will help Kasira and myself with this show out. Um, uh, that is, um, if you have the book, let that go. Um, either take a selfie with a book or you can also do your own little um, mini, you know, 30 seconds, I think is long enough. Uh, promo. And what we're going to do is we're going to start incorporating these pictures and these uh, visual uh, images, the film images, into our opening credits uh, so that people can see that uh, other people are getting the book. Uh, uh, take it to your favorite place to go. Uh, Halloween, since we're celebrating Halloween this month, if you're going to a Halloween event or something, take the Let That Go book with you. Take a picture, anything, send it back to us, and we will incorporate those. Uh, yes, and, yes, and I'm creating a Let That Go uh, member page. So in order to be a member of the page, you have to have the book, and you take a selfie with the book, so you'll know what we're talking about. So that all of you who do have the book and are familiar with the teachings, we're all on the same page. I'm not going to allow just anybody on earth to be a member of the page. We've got to be on the same page as far as the information is concerned. And I'm still working on the page. But soon we'll have a let that go page. So I'm going to bring up the image for next week's show. Um, yes. It's letting go of the evil with ourselves. Within uh, ourselves. It, within should ourselves. Be, uh, it should be within ourselves. So yeah. I want to make sure that that is corrected. Uh, but yeah, and, to, and to preface that, you know, in Buddhism, we call it our, each of us have our own innate darkness. We have a dark, everybody has a dark side. I don't believe in and uh, excommunicating the dark side. And mm -hmm. we don't, we cannot shed light on what we don't understand. So I believe that we must embrace our dark side in order to shed light on it. And we're going to talk about that next week. Okay. No, I'm not giving away a book today. It's become really costly for me. <laughs> and I don't receive any money for the show. So I'm asking everybody to purchase your own book. Someday when uh, more people have the book, perhaps I can afford to do that. Uh, but right now we're not. And when we get sponsors. So if you know yeah. anyone who would be interested in sponsoring the show. This particular show. If anybody wants to sponsor this particular show, that'd be yeah. really great. And we can we can do some giveaways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, right now, you know, Richard is the producer of the show. And whatever he receives as sponsorship goes towards paying for the graphics and everything for the show. I don't receive anything for the show, which is fine. I'm not guilting you guys. I'm just saying I don't. Someday, maybe I will, which would be great. Um, yet in the meantime, uh, you know, order the book on Amazon. Cause, uh, Let That Go by Kasira McKee. Uh, we, I understand that one of our people that follows the show and has the book is in Italy. And a couple of people she knows have ordered the book in Italy, which is really cool. And another friend of mine in Japan ordered the book, which is really cool. Anybody in any country that can buy on Amazon can buy my book, believe it or not. Yeah, they can buy my book. So we're, the news is starting to spread through Europe and Japan, which is really, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Sh Sherry. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you, uh, the voiceover person. What is it? Emma? I don't know who that is. Well, yeah. Thank you, uh, Sashi Keys. Thank you, Aaron. My love, my love, 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 love. Um, who else? Who else was here? Well, who's the voiceover person? I don't know who that is. Natasha, Rose. Um, who else, Richard? It's a voiceover. It says Emma voiceovers or something. I don't know. I don't know. Am, am I missing we'll something? Find, we'll find out. 
Okay. But anyway, that was beautiful. And did you like meditating for a minute, Richard? Was that good for you? Oh, it's always good for me. I love that. Okay. So thank Maybe you. we'll start incorporating that in all the shows to help people let go of stuff. That'd be yes. really great. Yeah. Okay. I love you. We'll see you next love Sunday. You more. Thank you. And I got to finish my newsletter. So okay, baby. Night. Thank you. Okay. I'll see you later. Love Bye, you. guys. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.